I don't know if it's possible for those of you who are sitting towards the back, but up here in the front, we get to hear the frogs. Can you hear them back there too? Excellent. It's really delicious, isn't it? Yeah. They're like the Greek chorus. Get it? Get it? (laughs) Time is short. Get it? Get it? (laughs) Oh, my. So tonight, that... uh, I would like us to uh, take a, let's, let's say, an excursion through the paramis, the so-called uh, uh, perfections. So we will we will uh, look at them as a whole, and then look at a couple of them individually as a parami in more depth, and then we will look at. Uh, the, the, when the oh no <laughs> the end of the frogs <laughs> uh, or then we will then we will look at that, uh, utilizing two together <laughs> you you missed the, uh, the the secret teaching you did yes you did <laughs> so. I'd like to start with a uh, a poem that uh, is not within uh, our world, but uh, in the end points to a poignant experience that uh, we can have in our sitting practice. And it's called This Only. It's by Cheswal Miwosh. This Only. A valley, a valley, and above it, forest in autumn colors. A voyager arrives. A map led him there. Or perhaps memory. Once, long ago, in the sun, when the first snow fell, riding this way, he felt joy, strong without reason, joy of the eyes. Everything was the rhythm of shifting trees, of a bird in flight, of a train on the viaduct, a feast in motion. He returns years later, has no demands. He wants only one most precious thing, to see purely and simply without name, without expectations, fears, or hopes at the edge where there is no I or not I. Where there's no I or not I. In our practice, those moments when we let loose, where there's just not a moment of eyeing, a moment of mean, of making something me and mine. And how delicious it is. How it is in its own resolve, perfect. It's, um, it's without the hindrances. It's without the storms of making me and mine. The Paramis were uh, a later addition to the Buddhist teachings, the Theravadan Buddhist canon, the Pali canon. 
And they came about, it, uh, scholars tell us, because they, at some point uh, the, the, the monastics ran into the fact that before the Buddha proclaimed himself a Buddha, he said he had been a bodhisattva for many lifetimes. And so, well, how does that fit into this development story? And so, uh, in what one scholar refers to it as creating the backstory. <laughs> we would know this in modern times because that's a that's the one of the parlance of our time is what's the backstory. And the so these uh, characteristics that the Buddha mentioned in various ways in uh, all the four. Uh, none of the four primary parts of the canyon, they they selected, someone selected, they evolved a selection of these characteristics that a bodhisattva would possess and be perfecting. And when they're all perfected, one is a Buddha. But at this interim stage, one starts out as just regular practice and then one, one gradually becomes a bodhisattva and perfects it into Buddhahood. And there's different kinds of Buddhas, but there's another story. and It's not our focus tonight. And so um, uh, the next part was that it evolved uh, for any disciples of the Buddha, anyone on the path that we could all uh, uh, work on understand and realize these paramis to whatever degree our karma permits. And so they became something for not just, um, not just uh, monastics, but for, for lay people as well. There's two, um, uh, two ways that one can hear this word uh, uh, parami, uh, uh, and it's also parimatha, and in Tibetan, and one of those two ways is that uh, the parama, sorry I said that wrong, parama uh, equals a kind of supreme. And it's pointing to the eminence, the uh, lofty, the wondrousness of the qualities that can be developed. So it's, it's, it's treated as the, the destination. That's one way to understand this. I don't find that nearly as useful as the second, which is the parmi as the um, as the meaning uh, gone to beyond or gone beyond in the like in paragata paragata this this gone gone beyond kind of a thing that's uh, that's chanted, and it is uh, it's gone further gone further than the regular gone to some place, but it is a there's a more of this verb that uh, that Tori was referring to, the and then a more a, a more active of participating, a cultivating in this ways these these to be cultivated, and, and for this going beyond, and it in, it's an indication of that one can participate in a transcendent uh, level of experience where one is transformed. And, there, and there's various ways one can understand that. But the, the feeling of it, we all know, being beyond our regular, that, that there's a sense 
Oh, in this moment, it's not regular. There's a sense of, of possibility, just occasionally, that uh, uh, in some form or another, it's possible that uh, for me to be something other than my past, not defined by my past anymore. Some possibility of having a new uh, way of relating uh, to my experience, a new way of relating. These, uh, these ten paramis, which uh, you do not have to remember all of them, you don't have to take notes to write them down now, uh, sometime tomorrow, or at the latest the next morning, <laughs> I will, I will uh, uh, post them as on the board as a, a list of the ten. The, the regular Tibetan only have six, and they, they don't quite match, although some people have constructed a way of teaching them so that the six include the ten and so forth. But there's, so there's, uh, there's been an evolution of these paramis, so they're not something to be grabbed so hard. They start with uh, the, the perfection, because the paramis are called perfections, the perfection of dana, of generosity. And then it's followed by sila, the, this, uh, the, the perfection of, of virtue. And it's said in the order they go in that the next one, like sila, perfects uh, dana, there's your capacity of dana, and all the way through. Don't overwork that <laughs> in terms of relying, but it points to a, a evolving uh, uh, that the, the more one gains one capacity after another, they tend to support each other, and there is a dynamic through there. So there's a through line that that's that's offered in in this. So again, there was first Donna the generosity. Second is sila the virtues, and third is renunciation. And it is through renunciation, which I will come back to. That that the the virtue is is perfected, that one one needs this to perfect, and therefore by implication one needs renunciation in order to perfect generosity. And then the fourth is wisdom, and wisdom is going to be a key factor in one of the ways we look at the paramis tonight, of how to. Use help for us to individually make our practice around the paramis. The fifth is energy, virya. Sixth is patience. Seventh is truthfulness, saka. And eighth is the resolve or determination. And ninth is loving kindness, metta. And ten is upeka, equanimity. So these are the ten. When um, we uh, look at this list, virya, this energy, and upeka are named as awakening factors in another list, the seven awakening factors. Likewise, upeka and metta are brahma-viharas. And we start to realize that uh, one of the geniuses of the, of the Buddha's teaching is how the lists overlap and interspersed. 
all these different lists that we're to understand that are teachings to help us cultivate insight. They are not the insight, they're the finger pointing at the moon. The direct insight, the direct knowing is, 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 the, is the realization, the insight that brings the realization. And so uh, these, this interconnection, uh, once, it's one reason to get some familiarity with the lists, and it's also a reason to pick various things on a list and start to work on one or two things from various lists at a time because you start to become more familiar with them and you start to realize for yourself that no matter where you start in the Buddhist teachings, you can get to everywhere else. That it is an integrated whole. It's a hologram of teaching. It's a hologram of experience that each, each part in its implication includes the rest. And this is most true of everywhere in relation to the Four Noble Truths, which is said by, in all of the different schools of Buddhism that the Four Noble Truths contain all the teachings of the Buddha. They, they, all the other teachings are just the drawn-out way that we can study them and realize them. And um, uh, so they, they become central in that way. I've mentioned this the other night as well because I really encourage you to... Uh, take that attitude is that one of the things I wish to understand, maybe one at a time, is the four noble truths. Or we could, uh, if we dared, say the four ennobling truths, as Tori made reference to the other night, the four ennobling truths that we, that is, we open and we gain a kind of knowledge that changes our experience from the mundane, from mundane to a kind of super mundane, from where we are, we, we are seeing experience from the point of view of being in samsara and this endless cycle of suffering to a higher elevation from which we see, we see the end of suffering. And that we can get there through practice, not being some, somebody super special, but through practice, through diligence and practice. And one way of practicing is through these these ten armies. I wanted to do this tonight because of uh, at this point in practice, it can be useful for some people to hear one of these and say, oh, I'm going to make this part of my reflection, part of what I'm cultivating in the sitting or the walking or in the interstitial time in between. Uh, the sitting and the walking. And um, the, the retreat time at this point where you are collected and unified, whether it feels that way or not, <laughs> but you are, and that you, uh, they can become more alive and more real, and then uh, you can take these same paramis into... Uh, uh, how you live the Dhamma at home. And, and the, the very idea of them, very, the very elevating, uh, evoking that they represent, that one can then imagine living one's own life in this way at home. But so useful, so blessed are these days where you are sheltered from, from the world. 
so important to keep that. And, and always we really want to encourage that in you, that you not that you not forget your commitments and that you stay in, in silence, in noble silence, and, and not in words, gesture, uh, uh, looks, uh, or notes. Uh, communicate with one another that would disturb someone else's practice as well as your own, even with the best of attention. So... Um, uh, we can imagine little acts of kindness that can be very it can be very confusing to another person that little uh, that little act of kindness or likewise uh, any kind of uh, uh, using the eyes uh, without meaning to to create the idea of is this communication and so forth so this uh, this having the the senses contained and inner oriented in the senses not being perfect. But you know what's honoring the deal and not honoring the deal. I, uh, years ago, at uh, 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 close to the beginning of my practice, maybe three or five years into the practice, I can't recall now, I had uh, just finished a six-week retreat and I went to one of the teachers, one a teacher that I greatly esteem uh, to this day. And uh, the, we, the retreat had had a lot of Nibbana teachings, a lot of liberation teachings. And this, this happened to be one year when that was emphasized. Things tend to be emphasized in every retreat a little differently from one year to the next. And the thing about this, this teacher is he is totally serious about awakening in this lifetime. So inspiring. So inspiring. His practice is so inspiring. And um, it gave me faith. I trusted his practice, and therefore I trusted the practice in that way. Very inspiring. And we can all do this for one another, even though we may not realize it. And so, well, I'm a pretty uh, tough-minded about proclamations or, or pointing out, you know. And so at the end of the retreat, I go to the teacher and I say, you know, I so admire your practice. I so admire what you're doing. Little nod. And I said, but I do have a question. How's it going to feel to you if this doesn't occur? Have you considered that? What, what will it feel like? What's then what? You know, then, and without missing a beat, he said, then I will have been practicing the paramis. I've been perfecting the paramis without missing a beat. And I said, that's a great answer. <laughs> and I was affected by that. It ties into the humility and the integrity that I've talked about, the dignity of practice, the humility, integrity, and dignity. What are we doing? We're just practicing. So if you don't feel as though you've achieved anything towards going somewhere, each of you have been practicing the paramis. And as we, uh, as we look at them in more detail, You've already been doing that. You may not have had the list in mind, but because some of them were on other lists. But in general, 
we've all been practicing the paramis in one form or another. And now we hearing them in this way and looking at them in a little more detail, maybe we can do more. Satisfying view, isn't it? That it's uh, at, at various points in a, a, a month-long retreat, we can get discouraged. We can start to take a view about ourselves despite having taken the vow of non-judging, non-comparing, and non-fixing. Despite that, <laughs> we can take this view and we can feel like we're not getting anywhere. We can feel like our practice has been interrupted by X, Y, or Z, having a cold or uh, something else occurring that, you know, it's thrown us off. And we can, we can uh, be judging our practice. We can be comparing our practice, thinking it has to be fixed. But in fact, it's all practice. And sometimes the richer part of practice is when it's not going well. And we are, we are uh, cultivating the persistence or the, uh, the patience or the generosity towards others on the retreat. That's our practice. And it's good practice. It's effective practice. It's onward leading. It is planting those seeds that I continually refer to, those karmic seeds. So a perspective in terms of why we're doing this. I report them as perfections because that, that is the teaching. But I actually refer to them personally and will um, most times during this, uh, this exploration we're doing together as attainments. What has always uh, uh, leads me to be uneasy, I'll put it that way, is words that sound like Okay, I'm going to achieve perfection because we've all got enough issues of one kind or another around perfection, right? We're one, we're one of these people who want to get everything perfect or we're one of these people who think we can't ever do anything right. We, we all have some relationship with, uh, with uh, our competency in this way. And, and so uh, an achievement in my mind is something that... Uh, that the, the ego can participate in and achieve something. You can say, I'm going to get down to the dining room, and you get down to the dining room, you know, yet, and that's an achievement you could get there. Or you can imagine, I'm going, to, I'm going to put the fork down after every bite. That's an achievement. We're in a realm where the ego is not going to accomplish this, as I understand the paramis. And therefore, to refer to them as achievement seems to be inviting the whole idea of an I and uh, that I'm going to do something. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to get these. Whereas to me, and this may be uh, subjectivity of language, it may not mean the same to you, an attainment is something that uh, has occurs because you created the conditions and out of that condition, something arose, and that's attainment. And um, uh, from that perspective, which I do have, uh, the Buddha did attain liberation. He did not achieve liberation, and one does not hear it translated as achieving liberation. It, uh, the realization 
uh, as an attainment, a realization arose because of his practice and all of his paramis being as, as strong as they were. But then out of that, the flowering occurs. Otherwise, the Buddha would be a, a me and mine person. And that his language does not have me and mine in it in that way. And so this can be an inspiration for us. One way that uh, I have personally practiced with the paramis, and there's a number of different ways. Uh, so for instance, you can take each one individually, or you can take any two and work on those two together, which we will look at patience and persistence that way if we have time tonight. Or you can see how uh, uh, any one of any one of these parmes is enhanced and cultivated by the other, by the other nine. Makes sense. And we're going to do that. We'll we'll do that tonight with wisdom. We will see how uh, we will see how uh, every one of these other parmes. Uh, enhance wisdom. They, they, they lead to the blossoming of wisdom and wisdom perfects them. But wisdom becomes a, 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 a one of the key understandings in this. Again, to get into the middle, to get into the middle of to, rather than be just circling on the outside to being in the middle of the structure and seeing, oh, this is how it's put together. There's this big ceiling up there and this, these slanted walls here and so forth. We're seeing the structure of the teaching from within the teaching. And because of a limited amount of time, and because also it has helped me uh, overcome, there being 10 of them, <laughs> that I, I take a three-group approach. So I take the nine other than wisdom, and I put them in groups of three. And I, I have found that like if I'm sitting a retreat or I'm doing a weekend practice at home or something, I have found that more useful for me. So I'm just offering this as something from my experience. I'm not telling you to do that. So the first three would be, uh, would be Donna and Sila and renunciation. So in these three, Donna, this generosity has many, many uses for liberating the mind-heart. It, it has an attitude of a, abundance that there will be enough, not that there's necessarily excess or it's easy, but there will be enough in some form or fashion. That's the way I would understand that. It also has this uh, idea of relatedness. Why do I want to share why do I want to be generous? Because I feel related. I feel related to other. So we are all being generous to, with each other in our silence. We are being generous with uh, how we close the doors and so forth. The generosity uh, uh, in terms of the monastics you know, takes the form of support uh, the, the, because the monastics live on support in that way. And uh, that is a beautiful tradition. But the generosity, even in the text, includes generosity of heart. 
So uh, uh, one form of dana is giving people the benefit of doubt. That you're open to them, that, you, that you, you're open to them. They may not look like someone you're used to, or they may have some mannerisms that's not what you're used to, but there's this, this generosity of openness to, to the person. So they are first welcomed, and, and then you, you can have views and opinions, but you don't start with a view and opinion without first knowing the person. Apropos of nothing, and in the, in, in the early Greek society, the idea of hearth was that way. You greet the stranger before, and you feed the stranger before you ever ask the stranger's name or the stranger's business. This idea that that the, that one must establish connection before one can even understand someone's story, what something's about. That there's a that there's a feeling of trust built up in that way. So um, this, this dana uh, has this kind of feeling of it. And it has, uh, it has uh, a kind of uh, empowerment of, uh, of uh, not having to be afraid, not having to be afraid in certain ways. So perfected this, this generosity by sila, by our ethical behavior. And the ethical behavior uh, has a kind of um, uh, uh, protection feeling to the generosity because when we, when we lose our ethical behavior, we are made uneasy. We have to split off. We're uncomfortable with ourselves. So if we've been unethical, we justify it and we put that justification up on the shelf. And we'll, if it comes up again, we pull it out and justify again. And, or we, uh, uh, we, we, have, uh, we literally split so that, the, the, that part of us, and there's many parts of all of us, it's normal. If you discover on retreat that there's different parts of you that have different views than other parts of you, and you go, well, who's me in all this? It's all, it's all you. We all have what I term the inner committee. And so uh, what can happen is that when we, are, when we have done something that was not skillful, it can cause us to split. So part of us is no longer available to be perfected, to be, to, to be the conditions created for, uh, for our moving on. For our, uh, and that's, that's the, from a practice point of view, that's really the, the big cost about sila, is, and not so much that, oh, you're breaking the rules, but no, you're, you're, you're doing yourself in by being unskillful, because you will in some way compensate for that energetically. And therefore, your energy is less available. And uh, you, we all miss the opportunity to look at it in whatever way we, we are challenged. And that looking at it, we have to be honest, or we will come to that later on. But uh, the, uh, that's the great opportunity. And Asile uh, say to, oh, include this in practice. Really include this in practice. Maybe that's an effective way to think of this. And this, uh, 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 then uh, Nikahama, this uh, idea of of renunciation, 
it is not the renunciation uh, perfects the, the sila because this is the renunciation of wise intention. So uh, the Buddha's primary teaching of, of, of non-harming, of kindness, and of renunciation, those are the big three. And um, it, that's, that renunciation is the only way that our, uh, our, our greed, our desiring mind, and our aversive mind can be held at bay. And the, the greedy mind and the aversive mind can really get in the way of our sila, right? So that's why we need the renunciation to have the sila. But in the same way, uh, when there is when there is a there's a kind of a, a, that greed, uh, then we're then we're subject to this kind of um, uh, disorientation. We're not just here. We're kind of looking for advantage, or we're. We're, 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 we're a little thrown off. And that's what we work with. Remember, that's not a problem for practice, but that's what we'd be practicing with. Oh, I can see that my renunciation, I'm not even comfortable with this idea of renunciation. I'm not sure I've even bought into this as being necessary. And so then we examine it. We're not judging ourselves. We're not fixing. We're being uh, mindful of this mindfulness that can penetrate the object can be in the middle like we have we are we're in this room we're not outside looking at it there'd be so many details so much feeling of it that we would just be missing and so this is this empowerment to this so uh, when these three are together uh, uh, they bring a kind of wisdom and the wisdom perfects all three of them and I, I refer to that as the uh, wisdom that provides a protection for practice. We've got sila. We've got a generous attitude, so we're not thrown off by what's going on around us. And we can, we can, uh, we can renounce the impulses that we have, the wants that we have, that without condemning them. Nothing's being condemned in that way. It's not that way... Uh, Unskillful behavior is being recognized for the purpose of not repeating and for having the wise relationship to it. So we're, again, none of this judging stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the way I would understand it, the way I practice, certainly other views by other people that have been for centuries, some quite opposite that, a sort of a fire and brimstone approach to, to uh, uh, the Buddhist practice. And so this is that these three are, um, are 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 to be understood. They're pretty easy to remember: dana and and sila, and and, uh, and then uh, renunciation. That's pretty easy to remember. And you can imagine working with those three as a section and seeing the wisdom that's imbued in them, and seeing how wisdom, your, your understanding, your deep understanding, that's uh, the. the Understanding what needs to be done, understanding uh, are they present or not, are they strong or not, your understanding enhances all of them. So the first, what I call the first flowering of wisdom, and then the next three, the 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 energy, and the patience, and the truthfulness, uh, they come together, and they can, uh, from my view, 
uh, be seen as a, a dynamic uh, a meditation of practice. They encourage a dynamic practice. Why? Because the, the virya, the energy, uh, gives us the courage to practice and it gives us the, um, um, the, the um, how would I say this? The spontaneity of practice. We've got enough energy so that when our curiosity is present, that investigation factor, there's energy to respond to it. We can dance with it. If we don't have any energy, we go, oh, but then we just, it passes us by. So imagine that um, in the first three, we have, we, we have as we're, so we're starting practice now from uh, the bliss of blamelessness. So just for one day to think, wow, I don't feel, I don't have blaming in me about me today. The bliss of blamelessness. We also have uh, the hungry ghost. You know, that hungry ghost that's wanting, that needs something so needy, uh, which can cause restlessness or resistance and therefore sloth and torpor. That that hungry ghost is at bay. And we'd, uh, we're not caught in some sort of a, a, a hostile view uh, towards life or ourselves. So favorable conditions. And so in those favorable conditions, when, when, uh, when something arises this, that gets our curiosity, energy can respond. Why does the curiosity arise? Because, of course, there is mindfulness. Mindfulness is always front and center, but with other factors, but always front and center. So uh, uh, with the, the uh, wise effort that Ray was saying the other night, Mindfulness was there with the, uh, with the intention because, as I said in a previous evening, you can't, it, intention, you don't know, you don't, you're not mindful of your intention if you don't have mindfulness. But you can't, but uh, mindfulness doesn't do any good if you don't have this empowerment of intention. So we have this, this, this what arises from energy and uh, this, this energy allows us to keep practicing. It allows us to stay in the curious rather than uh, falling into resulting. We can stay in practice. We've got enough energy to practice. We don't have to have this, some extra reward of, oh, I got it, I got it. We don't have to have that. The, the, the dedication to practice is strong enough in its own. And then that creates the, the, uh, the great need for patience because most of the time, it's going to be so-so, right? So-so. How's practice? It's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm satisfied, which could be true. It really could be true. I tend to believe you when you say that to me. So this patience allows us to uh, not lose our energy because it's not going the way we think it should be going. Notice that I didn't say that it's not going right. I said not going the way we think it should be going. And this, uh, uh, the, this patience allows us uh, to be patient even with the hindrances. 
So we have, uh, uh, if, the, if the hindrances are big and strong at this moment, one or more, we can be patient with the hindrances. We, because we, we, we have energy and we have patience, we, we don't have to have uh, things going our way because we, we know how to, we know how to uh, uh, be patient. We can, we, can, we can just be patient. And if it's taken a long time, we, we can, we can uh, endure. We can endure. This is very powerful. I'll come back to this when we get to one more of these because there's two put together in that way that make you a very powerful human being that I referred to the other night. So with the, the patience, this Kanti, we, uh, we're, we're not defeated. There's a feeling of not defeated because we're just practicing. So how can we be defeated? It's not dependent on what's happening. It's scientifically true. It's an attitude that is that is self-fulfilling. And then uh, the third of these, uh, the, 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 the second three, the three, uh, four through six, so I'm sorry, five through, uh, five through seven, is uh, Saka, this truth, truthfulness. Being honest in the way we assess what's going on. Not having to... Uh, um, Make excuses because we're willing to be with, oh boy, my mind's restless today. Oh, my mind's really filled with one kind of wanting or another. And we can, we can be, uh, uh, we have, because we've had those first three, we can, we can, it can keep us from, uh, it protects us because the first three are protecting our practice so we don't act unskillfully because, because our patient, our uh, our, our practice is rough right now. So uh, energy, uh, this energy, and and this this patience, and then this being truthful with ourselves, that we don't have to be defended. We 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 may we all come in with a persona. You all probably know that word, where there is a self that we present to the world, an identity, and then we have an inner identity. Um, uh, um, the end of the retreat, you can look in um, uh, my book about uh, emotional chaos to clarity. And, and there's a whole little chapter that you can stand there and read in five minutes about all the identities that we do have uh, that are external and internal. But this, um, uh, this, this truthfulness, uh, 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 we, we, we don't, because we, we value the truth more than uh, we feel we feel good enough about ourselves already. We don't need we don't need to create a little false sense of ourselves. To to uh, we don't have to trick ourselves into feeling better because we we have our dignity and our practice, our integrity, our humility. And if there's humility and and dignity and integrity to the practice, what is there what is there to uh, have to deceive ourselves about? What is there to blame to? Why would we have to blame our past? We don't need to. The past is the past. It's like this. The same with the current conditions. If I didn't have this cold, if I wasn't sleepy, if I wasn't worried about my parent, my partner, my child at home, all of these things, no, we're just practicing with those conditions. 
we're willing to be with the truth of it. And in this way, there's a, this dynamic. We, we're able to go on. And then that brings us to, to this third set of, the, of, the, of taking this as the nine. And it, it starts with this, uh, uh, this persevering, this uh, aditana. It's, a, it's called resolve, and then the fruit the, the fruit is persistence. That's one way it's described. Somebody did a whole map of that way with each of these. So there's resolve and then perseverance, flowers. Patience and, and persistence, when it's embedded and you're being truthful with yourself, you're being real with yourself, that may be a better word than uh, truthfulness. In modern times, you're being real, you're being genuine, you're being authentic with yourself. Patience and persistence. Wherever you're going, uh, you, uh, uh, because persistence allows you to start over. You, patience allows you to endure however well it's going, and then if you get, get completely knocked off, you just get back up and start again. You just go all the way back to the beginning. Your, your whole practice that has been going so great for days Somehow it's disrupted. Oh, great opportunity for practicing patience and persistence. This resolve. So empowering. So empowering. And we are not just getting, moving towards having our practice get back the way we are aspiring towards. We are, we are learning where that, where that persistence muscle is in us, in our heart, the old coconut, or in, in, in the, that uh, intuitive knowing, that belly knowing. We, we, we learn. We learn about ourselves. And we're available to learn, but we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not desperate. There's not a desperation. Patience and persistence. Here I am with my practice. Okay, Mara, give me your best shot. So over a period of time, those, those, they, they become really strong strengths that uh, I've witnessed hundreds and hundreds of times of people gaining these capacities. And it's, it's really beautiful. They are, they are moving and, and, uh, and towards a, a greater manifestation. And again, uh, in the end, there's much larger karmic conditions that will determine how far each of us go in this lifetime. And we are contributing right now to the future as to what's available to us. So this moment matters to the future. Therefore, once again, we don't want to waste our time here in that way. If, and if we remember we're planting seeds, the seeds alone Make it worth it. We're just planting seeds. Humble practice. And then the, the, the third of these is upeka, uh, this, this uh, I'm sorry, I left out the metta. So the kindness, uh, kindness perfects the perseverance because, boy, if you get down on yourself, have you noticed that's a little hard to practice when you're down on yourself? It's a little hard, huh? So the metta, this, uh, 
this innate kindness and then the the compassion, compassionate that are described as the heart's quiver. So we, we can have we can have compassion when it's really rough with ourselves. So uh, uh, compassion is a particular utter, utterance or a particular response of metta based on conditions. Metta is unconditional. Someone's doing great. You have metta, metta. They're not doing well. Metta, metta. But if there's uh, the the uh, 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 Karuna and Mudita are responsive to conditions. That's the difference in them. But they're underlined with the same loving kindness. So we bring this metta feeling, the radiating metta that uh, we've done in here two or three times, uh, and uh, that this this feeling of that, this friendliness towards our own practice, towards our own struggles. We're we're friendly. We are not. Uh, it's the that metta can help prevent the arising of the judging, comparing, and fixing, and so we deliberately cultivate it. We we know we're doing it, and it's not being selfish at all. Because the more metta you have in your practice, the more metta is going to be able to flow out of, of you to others and to the world itself, to our, our beautiful earth that needs all the metta it can receive. And then comes upeka. This uh, uh, this uh, equanimity or balance that uh, various of us have touched on briefly, and the 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 equanimity is there, but so that we are still practicing under difficult conditions. One year at uh, IMS, they were replacing the roof on the uh, on the right above the sitting area, and so for six weeks. No, it went on long. I was doing six, uh, doing uh, three months that time. So, and sometimes they would get in rhythm and it was kind of okay. But other times, ah! And then another year, uh, they were getting city water. So they were having to blow up rock to get the piping into the ground. So you'd be sitting there, boom! <laughs> and, you know... You can have two attitudes. <laughs> One doesn't get you anywhere, but in a bad mood. And the other actually is, ah, oh, can I use this as an opportunity for practicing? Uh, and particularly practicing the equanimity. Because uh, when it's something sudden like that, oftentimes, and it's big, loud, that can really distract but it's what it is. And it's amazing how many people, including me, would stay in the hall. They would say, if it bothers you, you don't have to stay in the hall. And they had earplugs and all this. We'd sit there, and it became part of the experience. It, didn't, it, was, not, it, was, not, uh, it was not an intrusion in the same way anymore. The equanimity uh, included the, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And... Uh, did not have preference. We as human beings, as personalities, it's natural that we're going to have preference. But that mind state of equanimity uh, is is not uh, leaning into a preference. It's just here. And get knocked off. 
And then we start to discover the stillness. And we're knocked off, and the stillness goes with us. The stillness comes back. Knocked off. It's the stillness, because the stillness never left, and that's the connecting. It's just still, still, steady. Really a beautiful experience. And this, these, these three, um, these three for me, really are enhancing conditions. The three of the metta and the resolve and the equanimity, they really enhance my practice in this way. This is how I come to understand them and is what allowed them to be of more uh, use to me. I did not rally to the paramis uh, during the first years I was taught it. Um, um, because I was seeing them as perfections and I had all this, you know, no, 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 danger, danger, danger. But gradually I saw the value and moved that way. You know, one act of generosity that I've received among many, many from teachers, so many acts of generosity. I had uh, been studying with uh, Park Seidel for a month and this whole month, he was sick with a bad cold or flu or something. And um, um, it, had been, it had been really great to spend that month with him. He, is, uh, he takes a, a fierce approach to getting samadhi, to getting collected and unified, to having this uh, uh, concentrated mind. So like the first hour, you're just holding on one-pointedness. <laughs> and that's the first hour, and then you're ready to go on into practice. And um, it was not my style at all of practice because I, I as many of you know, because you've, a number of you have sat with me a number of times, I do, I, I, I'm in the, the line of naturally arising concentration that you create the conditions and uh, samadhi will naturally arise, and we're only doing slide inclining at various points, and we learn how to do that skillfully. So this was very different. This was determination, really determination. But anyway, it was, uh, 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 it was inspiring when he was in the room. I, had, I, I loved sitting when he was in the room, which was not that often, once or twice a day, uh, but very inspiring. And he would occasionally call for something because he was sick. And it just all so empowering. And I was just so appreciative of his generosity of showing up under those conditions. So this had all happened. And then um, my last night of the month, and there's and at the forest refuge, people come and go at various times. It's a little confusing in that way. And he had been there for uh, a month or two before I ever got there. And he was staying, but I was leaving. And so the last night... Uh, we're sitting there, and uh, he gives a little talk, and then he just sits there, and I'm just sitting there, and I feel I'm just really in a uh, strong place for practice. And um, I start feeling this thing that my intuition is telling me that somebody's right here, and I'm on the aisle, and my intuition is saying there's somebody there, and I'm going, Philip. There's not anybody there. <laughs> this is something your mind is doing. So uh, yes, you thought you were in this really concentrated place. 
but this is a, some sort of disruption occurring in your mind, and this is how it's manifesting itself. You know, because the question is, would I open my eyes? Would I give up my last inspiration, uh, you know, from side out? Would I, would I be willing to do that to see if there's somebody there? This goes on, I don't know how long, but a number of minutes. Certainly, I hope no more than 10, but it was more than three. I just don't, I don't recall, and I did not have, I wasn't in time so much so to have any feel for that. So finally, I go, I give up, <laughs> and I turn, and he's standing there. He has been standing there that whole time, holding a book that he wants to give me. <laughs> that was generosity. That was uh, generosity with humility. Can you feel why that's true? It's not, is that not a beautiful aspiration for all of us? Rather than how we should be treated, you know? And, I mean, I had no idea, right? It was, I, was, it was, I didn't feel like I'd done something wrong, but I just the idea that here's this, this sick person who is sick, who has been so generous this whole time, standing there waiting patiently for me to finish my practice. How long would he have stood there? I don't know. I do not want to know. <laughs> that would not be something that would <laughs> uh, bring settlement to my own mind. So uh, they, um, uh, we're not going to have time to um, uh, go through uh, the, the, I was going to take patience and persistence and take you through how they help each other and how they're each dependent on the other. And you can start to take any two of these and see how they work together so that you start to have your own integration of your practice. That you, you, you go, okay, this is a strength and this is a strength. How do I put those together? This is a strength and this is a weakness. How do I have the one that is strong uh, help uh, in, enhance my development of another of, of these attainments. And, and so it, these are kind of, this is a way to actually practice in terms of the cultivation of insight. You're developing strength for cultivation of insight. You're developing strength also for concentration. But it's something you can do. You can contemplate each of these paramis, and then you can explore it for yourself and identify your relationship with it and uh, uh, see when it's present and when it's absent. See when you use it, when you misuse it, when it's actually there and you won't, you won't utilize it. You just spin right around in whatever's trapped you at the moment. And you're interested. And you say, wow, I'm really employing that well. You start to recognize skillful moments in your practice that you may not realize you're having. Sometimes we, uh, we can be uh, more optimistic about our practice than maybe it turns out to be. But those tend to be where we, we think it's going to go on. We forget. We f- how could this state ever end? We tend to be maybe too pessimistic, and that's immediate, and it's not 
One is kind of an enthusiasm, and but that when we are being pessimistic, we are we are falling into judging and comparing, and sometimes saying it's not fixable. And that's that that, that I do not find that real for anybody in their practice. That's not it's not it's not the reality. When I say real, I mean it's not reality. It's just not reality. And as best we are able, notice the phrase, as best we're able, I hope you're still employing that phrase, uh, that uh, we, we try to address those, those imbalances, particularly in when it's, it's difficult in that way for you. There's, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's the, the wisdom we gain can uh, manifest uh, towards liberation either uh, uh, through first having gone through the jhana factors and going to liberation or not going through the jhana factors and going to liberation. It is is there either way. And so uh, these paramis help us in the cultivation of wisdom and therefore, we are going. We can go the way where we're not utilizing uh, the, the the jhana factors. And so that's uh, that's for those those who are not interested in the jhana. That's your practice. You're not going to have enough time, enough long retreats to to really work with them. Then these paramis become really useful because without the the, the teachings are there. Wisdom, wisdom without, without those those uh, factors. Okay, here we are. It can seem so hard to just be with ourselves. But that little moment wasn't that hard, was it? The pause, just stopping, just being with yourself, just be available for the parmes to uh, flourish. Just be. As always, a deep appreciation for your your patience and uh, your attention, and most of all for your practice and the commitment that makes it a practice. It's time for walking, and then we will come back for the last formal set of the evening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.